So we're having a great time studying God's Word, worshiping Him by listening to what God's Word says, and uh, also it's so important that we're willing to obey it. If you're new, we're going through the Gospel of John and the Book of Romans, just verse by verse. And we're in the Book of Romans today, back to chapter 14, and we saw when we opened it up, it's a, it's a fascinating chapter. It's all about dealing with the gray areas in the church. It's not about what is black and white. This is not about sin issues. When there's sin, we confront sin. We don't welcome sin. We confront it. We welcome sinners, but we don't welcome the sin, and we try to help them overcome it. This is not about orthodox Christian doctrines. We fight for that. This is about the gray areas that happen within the church when one Christian feels one way about a certain thing and another Christian feels a totally different way. How do we solve that dilemma? Um, Last time we were together, Paul gave us the answer, how we deal with these gray Christians. Some Christians say you can do this. Some Christians say you can't do this. So how do we deal with that? Paul told us we accept one another. We welcome one another. And then he kind of bluntly says, listen, God is your brother's judge, not you. You're not the Holy Spirit. He's pretty much saying, mind your own business. Worry about your own life. Get your own life right with God. Let God discipline that Christian if they're wrong. Let, let, let God do that. You are not their judge. Quit telling people what they are supposed to do in these gray areas. Uh, all of you have seen it on social media. you got somebody claiming to be a Christian, and they're using the Bible as a weapon. The Bible is their weapon, and they're going to let everybody know who's wrong and who's right, and it becomes this big argumentative thing, and it, it hurts the gospel. These guys doing this are so deceived, they don't even know that they're wrong. They're probably wrong about their opinion most of the time, these type of guys, but they're really wrong about their attitude for sure when we see these scriptures. God doesn't want that. It muddies the gospel. It looks bad on the church of Jesus Christ, where we're called to love one another and share the gospel of love with others. Last time, they were fighting about food. There was a food fight. So some Christians were saying, no, we can only eat vegetables. Um, we can't, we can't drink any of that wine neither because it's sold in the marketplace. And listen, they were like, they were, sometimes this stuff's offered to pagan gods. They're, the food might not be kosher. And they just felt in their conscience they should abstain from it. The stronger brothers were saying, hey, man, idols are nothing. It's just steak. It's just ribs. It's just pork chops, man. Let's have a cookout, drink some wine, and thank God for it. 
and then there was a clash. There was a clash. And the weaker brother was looking down on the stronger brother, condemning them for their actions. And the stronger brothers were looking down on the weaker brother because they just thought they were being legalistic. And so this is an important matter in the church, especially today. So he deals with food. Now he's going to deal with a dispute over days, over days. What is the most important day? What is God's favorite day? And this debate, these arguments still go on today. There are people who still argue that you should worship on the Sabbath. A lot of people don't know this. The Sabbath is Saturday. Other people say that you, you should worship on Sunday, and now Sunday's become the new Sabbath, which Scripture doesn't say that. Some early church fathers, most of them were Catholic and Eastern Orthodox, decided that now Sunday's the new Sabbath. So now you can't do any work on Sunday. And the Scripture nowhere says anything like that. But... but People struggle with that. Uh, there are certain days that Christians struggle with. Uh, Easter. Some people struggle, struggle with Easter because we call it Easter. Because Easter comes from kind of a, it's kind of a pagan word. There was a pagan festival way, way back. We're, we don't take part in that pagan festival, but because it's called Easter, you know, that's why I always say Happy Resurrection Day instead of Happy Easter. <laughs> but but it's like people get upset about it. And then they say you shouldn't have an Easter egg hunt. The weaker brother says, no, no, no. Those eggs are associated with that festival, you know, a thousand years ago. And then stronger brothers say, just let the kids have fun. Let them have the Easter egg hunt. Because then they're going to come into church and learn about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it causes a great dispute. People take this serious. They get upset. Halloween is an issue in the church. Some people, some people say there is a dark side to Halloween, so Christians should avoid it altogether. Other Christians say, well, I avoid the dark side, but I still let my kids have fun. And so people disagree on that. And both sides can make good points. And so Paul says in all these issues, he already tells us what to do. Accept one another. Accept one another. So he, he continues on dealing with days. And so let's, let's talk about this. We left off at verse 5. I'm just going to do Bible study today. I'm not going to have points. I'm just going to read the scriptures and explain it. Uh, Romans 14.5 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, obviously, what was going on in this day, they're still arguing about it today, it's really mainly about the Sabbath. There were other special days that many of them thought they should continue to observe, ceremonial days, but Jesus fulfilled all that. But there were still people still wanting to keep those festivals. And 
the Sabbath is the one is the big deal because God commanded that people obey the Sabbath and it's in the Big Ten. It's in the Big Ten. You know, honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy, right? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And so, so this was very hard for these Jewish Christians now when all the other Christians were saying, no, Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. So it caused a dispute. So the Sabbath, of course, was a day that God gave the Israelites. It was just supposed to be a day of rest. It was supposed to be a good thing. He wanted them to stop all of the hard work that they do all your hard work during the week. But on Saturday, the Sabbath, you and your family rest and worship God. It was a picture of spiritual rest. God wanted you to rest in him. Yeah, you need physical rest, but you also, what's more important, you need spiritual rest. Hopefully you come today, and when you hear God's word, it gives you some spiritual rest. That's all God wanted. But the religious people added all these man-made rules, and they turned the Sabbath into a burden. They were so meticulous about their rules They confronted Jesus when Jesus did ministry on the Sabbath. So Jesus healed healed a paralyzed man on the Sabbath and told him to carry his mat and go home. And the religious people should have been praising Jesus for a miracle. They were furious that the guy was carrying his mat on the Sabbath. Jesus healed a shriveled hand on the Sabbath, helped a man with a shriveled hand, and they were upset about it, that God did something good for someone. Jesus said this in Mark's gospel to these these Sabbath guys. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? Jesus is saying, God gave you the Sabbath as a benefit for you. It wasn't made for you to worship the Sabbath and to make all these rules. And yeah, God didn't want them doing hard work and stuff, but God never stepped, stopped, stopped doing good things. He never said you can't pick up your children. That's a lot of work. He, he never said, you know, Jesus said, when you see an animal fall into a pit on the Sabbath, don't you help them out? Well, those religious Pharisees, no, they wouldn't. They'd let the animal be stuck in a pit because they didn't want to work. If a person fell into a pit, they wouldn't help the person because they don't want to work. And Jesus tried to open their eyes. Do you see what you guys have turned this into? But anyway, Sabbath was a beautiful thing. It was a day of rest. Jesus is our rest. Now, we don't rest in a day. We rest in a person. And you got all these people who still want to worship a day instead of giving glory to the person that that Sabbath rest pointed to. Read Hebrews. Jesus is the Sabbath rest. We rest in him, not on any particular day. 
So Colossians 2.16 really settles it, you would think, but it doesn't for certain people. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink. There it is. Or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Those things were just the shadow that pointed to Jesus. Jesus has now fulfilled that. And it clearly says, he's basically saying, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. Jesus fulfilled it. But there are people, I was watching, because I was studying this, I was watching a guy in a video saying, well, that's not talking about the actual Sabbath. Really? Because I'm reading it and it sure looks like it to me. And so that's what he says. That's what I'm talking about. And he gets he no scripture to back it up. But people believe this guy because they want to believe the way he believes. And they want to keep keeping the Sabbath. When we're free from it, we're totally free. We rest in a person. Not on day. You know, the early church, the early church history shows us. I'll show you a couple of scriptures. They started worshiping on the first day of the week, Sunday, today. Why? Because on the first day of the week, that was the day Jesus rose from the grave. So give honor to Jesus. They decided to worship on the first day of the week. There was no rules, no Sabbath laws added to it. Uh, Acts 20, verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, take communion, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. So here they come on a Sunday. They're obviously worshiping on Sunday. They're taking communion together. And I know some of you guys think I preached some long sermons. Paul preached till midnight. And they loved it. They loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. Because they were worshiping Jesus. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Listen to what Paul says. He says, on the first day of the week, Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Talking about your money. So that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul says, on the first day of the week, when you come to worship, bring your offering to God. Bring your offering to God. Worship him. So they were worshiping on the first day of the week. There was no command. They just did it to honor Jesus because that was the day he rose from the grave. And it is important because Hebrews does say, don't forsake the assembling together. When the body of Christ assembles, which is we do on Sunday, don't forsake meeting. Be with your Christian brothers and sisters. Go there, sing, worship, give, listen to God's word, and love one another. So this was uh, the way it is. This is the way it should be. Now, Seth Postel, our, our missionary over in Israel, doctor, the guy's brilliant. Seth Postel is brilliant. 
I get his devotions. He's an expert on the Old Testament. He's an expert. He speaks Hebrew. He knows all about the Sabbath as a Jewish Messianic Christian now. He knows all about it. But he knows that the Sabbath pointed to Christ. He was talking about the Day of Atonement in one of his devotions I get. So good. And he was talking about on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would sacrifice an animal, a goat on that day. Sometimes they would sacrifice lambs. Those sacrifices pointed to Jesus. Same reason why we don't offer sacrifices, because Jesus fulfilled that. The sacrifice has been made, the final one. He is the atonement. But anyway, this atonement pointed to the sacrifice of Christ. The blood of those animals couldn't take away sin, but it pointed, that was the shadow pointing to Christ. And Seth pointed out, he says, you know, on the day of atonement, God really picked up that he did not want them to work. He said, you shall do no work on that day, on the day of atonement. On the Sabbath, the Sabbath of that atonement. Why? And Seth, he, Seth said, because it was a picture of the work Jesus would do, right? He didn't want them to do any work because it was a picture to us that there's no work we can do to be saved. Only the blood of Jesus. That's awesome. That's brilliant. That's what that all pointed to. Christ is the fulfillment of it. So it should be clear. And you kind of wonder why Paul doesn't just, sometimes he can scold people and he just said, just let it go. But he doesn't. Why? Because this isn't about a salvation issue. This was about young Christians having a rough time accepting that they couldn't, that they needed to worship on the Sabbath, and so Paul addresses it, and Romans, the last part of verse 5 says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That's good. God wants you to be convinced in your mind, which will then move to your heart, what you need to do when there's gray areas and you're not sure which way you should go with it. In your Christian life. God wants you to be convinced. How? God does not want you to be convinced. Because your old church. That you grew up in. Told you. That you have to obey certain rules. No. He doesn't want you to go by that. He wants you to be convinced in your own mind. He. You know. People say. People are always telling me. Well. You know, this is the way our church did it up north. You should be doing this. And I've already told you, I want a t-shirt that says, God could care less how you did it up north, right? <laughs> but see, that's the way we did it up north. So this is the way we do it. But you're not convinced in your mind and your heart that Scripture has led you to do those things. God wants you to study for yourself and know Scripture. I'll even say this. God doesn't want you to go by what I tell you. I'm your pastor, and I appreciate that you trust me. But you don't go what I tell you. You go by what the Word of God is telling you and what the Holy Spirit is leading you. You understand that? 
I'm just a man that's got to worry about my own self and my own sin and what I need to choose to do in my life in these gray areas. And you've got to go with your conscience. You've got to go with your heart. That's what he's saying. So study the scriptures on your own. Study all this I'm talking about. Make, when you decide what you're going to do, make, make sure you're convinced in your heart this is the way God is leading you. So this is very important. Now watch what he says. He says, The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to, thanks to God, while the one who abstains in honor of the Lord gives thanks to God. Paul is saying, in some of these gray areas, neither Christian is wrong. And it's possible that both of them are right. Because God wants them to be convinced in their own, their own mind. And someone might say, you know, I'm going to choose to eat this because I feel God wants me to eat this. The stronger brother says, I can eat whatever I want and praise God for it. But you don't judge each other on that. Because Paul is saying the person that's chose to eat a certain way, he's doing it for God. He's making the sacrifice for God. Don't judge him. And the person that feels free has, is doing it for the glory of God. He feels God has set him free to do this. And so you don't judge them. This is the answer to all these things. Now, see, Paul wrote a book of Galatians, and he scolded the Jewish, they were called Judaizers. They were saying, you can't be saved unless you keep the Sabbath, unless you're circumcised. They were adding works to the gospel, to the truth of salvation. That's why Paul scolded them. He doesn't, he doesn't scold these weaker brothers even though Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, he doesn't scold them because he wants them, he wants us to go by our conscience. Our conscience is important as the Holy Spirit leads us. And he wanted God to deal with them. And so what they would do is in their conscience, they felt they couldn't eat and they did it for God. It wasn't a salvation issue. It was what, how they felt they could please God. So I hope you understand all these things. So, so in everything, whatever you decide, if you decide to abstain something a certain day or certain foods or certain drink, do it for the glory of God. Give thanksgiving to God. If you are free, you feel you don't have to abstain, you can be a part of this day without sinning, or you can do this, you're free to do this without sinning, then give glory to God and accept one another. This brings love to the church instead of all this arguing and bickering that hurts the church and the testimony of the church. So, you know, I, uh, I, I understand this in my own Christian walk. When I was a young Christian, there were certain things I abstained from. I needed to. 
because I was such a mess. I would never go, I would never go into a bar because if I went into a bar, those demons would be like, Frank's back, get him, you know. So <laughs> I was like, man, man, I got I to gotta keep my, my conscience told me to stay away from that. And that was probably, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. As I got older, as I got stronger in my faith, I was able to go back. And now I can go into a bar and not get, be in, indulge in sin. And you can even, you can even be a witness. I played softball for a team called Gators Bar and Grill. I told you this story before, but it goes right with this. That's a gray area, right? Pastor playing softball for Gators Bar and Grill. And we were good. We won the championship. <laughs> and and, and God blessed us. So after the game, <laughs> so it must have been right. After the game, um, the owner of Gators begged me to come. And I was a big part of the team. And uh, I didn't want to go. I don't go to bars anymore. I got a lot to do tomorrow. I have no time for that. And he just kept on and on and on. I said, well, maybe, I need, maybe God wants me to go. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, pray for me. I'm going to Gators. <laughs> she got right on it. She'd be worried about, she'd be worried about me. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to Gators. Went to Gators. I was there till 2 in the morning drinking Diet Coke. 2 in the morning answering Bible questions. I thought I was just going to go there and hang out with the guys and just mingle in, maybe invite them to church. All of a sudden, all these Bible questions, I was there answering questions. The only reason why I went home at 2 in the morning is they all started slurring their words. <laughs> I knew they weren't going to remember. But, but here's the thing. I see Christians, they go to bars and the bar evangelizes them. Next thing you know, they're, do, they're acting like unbelievers again. Getting involved in sin and doing things. They're not doing any evangelism. And this is sad to me because you have no idea what the consequences are going to be to that. And it hurts their testimony. So you've got to be convinced in your mind and be led by the Spirit in all these matters. Um, Halloween. Halloween. We're talking about days. I know some people in here, you feel strong about not participating in Halloween. A lot of people don't know this, but there is a very dark side to Halloween. Very dark. And there are a lot of Satanists and bad people in this world that take that day serious. So there are some Christians who strongly feel should abstain. Other Christians kind of feel that they're not going to take part in the dark side of Halloween, they're, they're, but they're going to do positive things, okay? Again, I'm an example. When, when I was younger, I remember when Frankie was Brittany was little, we, we, we didn't observe Halloween. As I got older and I started to realize that maybe I need to lighten up a bit because, you know, you, you, I, we turned our light off. And I had youth kids in my youth group knocking on the door wanting to get candy. And so, you know, I'd run and get them Mountain Dews. They loved me. I went and got, I had no candy. So I wasn't celebrating. I went and got them Mountain Dews. They loved me. Their parents hated me. But, 
gave them Mountain Dews, and I started to think, you know, you can open your door, you can be nice to people, and you know what? They take stuff. So you, you be, be tricky, Christians. It's okay to trick people. Give them, give them their Snickers and give them a track about salvation. Give them, you know. So I started lighting up a little bit with it. But wherever you're at on the matter, you got to do it with your conscience. And if the, understand, if the person feels they should abstain, don't judge them. And the person feels that, that they're, they're strong and they're not going to partake in sin and they can use it as evangelism, then don't judge that person neither. I heard a pastor, there's a, there's a pastor, his name's Steve Farrar. Um, he wrote a lot of books on family and men being the leader of the church and how to deal with your children. Really good books. And he really talks to men about cleaning up their life. And he's not a real legalistic guy, but, you know, they ask him, you know, MTV. They ask him, do you let your kids watch MTV? And he's like, no. And they're like, well, why? And he says, well, the same reason I don't let them drink out of the toilet. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, so they ask him, what do you think about Halloween? Because he's pretty strict about what to do with kids. And he said, he said, here's what we do with Halloween. I dress my kids up as Moses and the Israelites, and we go out and plunder the pagans and take all their stuff. <laughs> I thought that was a good view to have. <laughs> but point being, don't judge your brother where they're at on this issue. They're going to do what's in their heart for God. Um, Dr. Steve Lars Lawson, Steve Lawson, great Bible teacher. If, you, if you're looking for somebody to listen to that's solid during the week, he's doing a study on Romans. I've been listening to his study, and he was talking about, you know, in the early days, there was a lot of, there's a lot of Christians that do believe Sunday's the Sabbath, so they don't do any work on, the, the, on Sunday. They don't watch football on Sunday. Uh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't let their kids play ball on Sunday. It's like you basically sit there and stare on Sunday. But you know what? That takes work to just sit there and stare sometimes. But anyway, they, they feel strongly about it. He had a really good pastor friend that believed strongly about it. And he said he came and spoke at his church. And so he had forgotten how he felt that he don't go to restaurants on Sunday because if you go to restaurants, you make people work to serve you food. And so uh, Steve Lawson, after the sermon, they had to come back Sunday night. He said, I, I was going to take my friend to the restaurant because we had to be back here. And his friend said, uh, remember, I don't, I don't eat at restaurants on Sunday because I don't want to make anybody work. And so Steve Lawson, stronger brother in that area, he said, I respected his belief. I knew in his heart he was convicted about it. So he said, I, I, I just honored what he said. I didn't judge him. I didn't talk down on him. I didn't say, what's the big deal? Because that's what he felt in his heart to do. But then Steve Lawson was funny. He said, so me and my wife had to work. We had to go to the grocery store and get groceries. We had to make them dinner. Because we couldn't go to the restaurant. And he's like, man, we did so much work on that. If we would have just went to the restaurant, it would have been less work. And that's the point. This can become so silly 
and people don't, don't see what they're doing, you're, you're actually adding work to what God never said or intended, but Lawson did the right thing. He didn't look down on his brother that felt strongly about it. That's what we do. In any matter we can bring up, we accept one another. We don't look down on each other. Let's go to verse 7 and 8. We're only going to 9. Romans 14, 7 and 8 says this. Now he adds this. This is good. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It's like, why does he, he's talking about gray areas and he goes into that because he's saying, guys, here's the bigger picture. We belong to the Lord. Your Christian brother, your Christian sister belongs to the Lord. Let's start living for the Lord because we got Christian brothers that are dying for the Lord. That's more important than arguing about all these matters of food and drink and days. Do you live for the Lord? That's what we do. We live for the Lord, and when it comes our time, we die for the Lord. And Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because I'll depart and I'll be with Christ. That's what we live for. That's what we focus on. And we want to bring others in to our family. Uh, I'd like you to pray for my dad. I know some of you know about it. Um, some of you don't know. Um, my dad uh, had some melanoma cut off of his leg uh, a while back. But the melanoma has come back with a vengeance. And basically this melanoma cancer spreads really fast. So it, it's spread all through my dad's body. It's, it's now spread to his brain. And so it doesn't look too good. But uh, one thing, I, when they went to the emergency room on Friday, I went over there, talked to my mom and dad. I, you know, I told the lady, I said, hey, I, I need to, I'm here to see my dad, but I'm also his pastor, you know. And so I went back and saw my, my mom and dad are just so beautiful with one another. Their attitude is so good. My mom says to me, Frank, you know, whatever God wants, whatever God wants, we're going to live for God. And if God wants us to die, we'll die for him. Wow, what an attitude. You know, I found out recently, I didn't even know this. I found out that my parents, my mom and dad, since 1990, right when we started Freedom, they have been reading through the Bible. They would read through the Bible every year. They have been doing it for 33 years. They have read the entire Bible. They read it out loud together in the morning. I heard that. I thought, no wonder they got such a good attitude. I mean, that doubt, that doubt does me. I mean, I read the Bible all the time, you know, but it's like, it's like, I've never read through the Bible in a year 33 times. That's awesome. 
And that's why they have such a good attitude. We live for the Lord. And we die for the Lord. We got some hope yesterday that some immunotherapy is taken. It looks like it's working. And they think they might be able to touch the spots on his brain with some radiation. So they gave us some hope. For all you, you people that deal with it, you know how this works. It's up and down. You get hope and then... So we're just leaving them in God's hands, but their attitude is whatever God wants. That, that's what we should focus on in life, life and death, not these matters that people want to argue about in the church. Let's focus on life and death. And then the final verse we'll look at this morning, Romans 14.9 says this, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. Paul just gives us another big picture. Christ came, Christ left heaven, and he died for you. He died in your place. I said earlier, there's no work you can do. There's no work you can do. Give for your own salvation. All you are, all you do is open your hands like a spiritual beggar and receive it. God does the work. Jesus did that work for us. That's the work we trust in. He says that, we, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. What does it mean he's Lord of the dead? Because all the people that have died in the Lord are in his presence with him. And, and he wants to be the Lord of the living. That's you and me. Is Christ your Lord? Is your entire life focused on him? What are you upset about? Focus your life on the Lord. So Frank, tell us, you, you titled it God's Favorite Day. What do you think God's favorite day is? Don't think God cares about the day. He gave the day to the people because he cared for the people. He wanted them to rest and rest in him. I think God's favorite day, you know what day's God's favorite day? Is the day you come home to him. Luke 15, 7 is all about Jesus wanting to save lost sinners. And the religious people were mad at Jesus because he's hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners. Because they were legalistic. You can't hang out with those people. You can't eat and drink with those people. And Jesus did. But he did to give them the gospel. And so he tells these parables. How a, a shepherd goes after the one lost sheep. How a woman that has ten coins, she lost a coin. That's like life savings. She would do everything to find that coin. And when she found that coin, she'd rejoice. And of course, the prodigal son and the father represents God. The father has so much joy when his lost son comes home. It's a picture of salvation. Luke 15, 7, one of those verses says, Jesus says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need no repentance. It's kind of a slap. At the, I, that phone's telling me I'm done. I'm almost done. All right, I'm done. It said, listen, um, that's, a slap, that's a slap at the self-righteous. They don't need salvation. They don't need to repent. They're good on their own. 
but all of heaven. What's God's favorite day? All of heaven rejoices when one sinner says, Lord Jesus, save me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Give me salvation. Have mercy on me. That's what God, that's what heaven rejoices about. That's what God cares about. And you know what? It don't matter if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I can name them all. God don't care about the day. Any day that you worship him, you read God's word and you pray to him, you sing to him in the car, whatever it is, God welcomes that. God loves that. And it doesn't matter what day it is. Worship him every day. He is worthy of it. And it will bring nourishment to your soul. Pray with me, please. Please pray with me. And as we always do, going to close it up with a worship song. So I always like, you know, I always like in this time to kind of point out a visitor that might be here. Maybe you're new, you've been coming for a couple weeks. God's really been, you feel like God's just like pounding on your heart. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's like God's drawing you to him. And so I always like to focus on where that person is because I, God is doing an incredible work. He's working on people. It's amazing the work he's doing. God is so good. So if he's working on you right now, I just, I encourage you, embrace Jesus Christ. Just pray to him. Call out to him in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again from that grave. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I give you my life. I want to follow you. I want your Holy Spirit. God, give me wisdom to show me how I can obey, obey you. Obey the scriptures that are clear, and even obey in these gray areas, whatever you put on my heart. God will do that for you. For Christians, I would say to you this morning, I'd like you to pray, because I've had to. If you've been judgmental to your brother that disagrees with you about these matters, I have. I've been judgmental. I've argued over these things. And I had to confess my sin to God. May you confess your sin to God. Just say, God, help, help me to obey these scripture. Help me not to be argumentative about these gray areas that don't matter. God, I want to let you be the judge of their life. I want to pray for them. I want to encourage them. And just pray that we would have love in this church. And that God would help us to remove any judgmentalism any hypocrisy, any legalism, and also any license to sin. Remove that from our church so our church can be that lighthouse that Luke was praying about. Father, thank you for this day. No better place to be. God, in your house, worshiping you, singing to you, loving on each other, hearing your precious word, God, that it's so beautiful, transforms our minds, transforms our hearts, gives us direction, and it also gives us peace 
wisdom, strength. Bless all these dear people now as they worship and we leave today. Go with us, God. Help us to be loving. Help us to love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand and worship, and we'll close it out.